going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at Wapal11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another episode. Yes, we're gonna be talking some Aaron Rodgers, a little AFC East, uh, some good morning football as well. Joined uh joined by special guest Jason McCordy, 13-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champ, host of Good Morning Football. The uh the resume goes on and on. How uh, how are we doing today, Jason? I'm doing good. Uh thankful to get on here and be able to chop it over to you, talk a little Jets, a little Rodgers. Uh I'm definitely not tired of talking to Aaron Rodgers, although we do it every single day. Yeah, no, he's uh he certainly has a a strong hold over, you know, Jets podcast, national podcast, doesn't matter what it is. Um, you know, everyone's talking Aaron Rodgers. The the war is on the Twitter streets between Jets and Packers fans. Does not cease to amaze me. Had no idea everyone hated each other so much, but you know, here we are. Um, obviously this deal, look, it's almost up, you know, we're coming up on, I guess really a month, you know, since he came out. So his intent was to play for the Jets. I've said a million times, I, I definitely felt like that 90% retired was a little bit of BS. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's coming out. It may have actually been very much BS to kind of get leverage. What do you, A, make of the whole situation? And are you surprised we're still sitting here a month later and he's still on the Packers and we haven't heard from him and, and there's all this different stuff? Situation's obviously crazy. And it just goes to show you, um, no matter how good you are, this game will humble you at some point. I remember being... Uh, in Tennessee and being in the same division as Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts let go of Peyton Manning. Obviously, Andrew Luck was coming up in the draft. And now you look at the Green Bay Packers already going through this where Brent Favre and Aaron Rodgers was coming up through the ranks. And now here it is, fast forward, where it's kind of deja vu all over again. And, of course, I definitely thought the deal was going to be done by now. We all felt like for weeks we were talking about it. We're just waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. Once he makes a decision, Green Bay can move on, this, that, and the third. And then we heard Mark Murphy kind of come out and say, well, Aaron Rodgers will be back if everything doesn't go the way we want. And we're just like, damn, that's where we're at with it. And then Rodgers comes out of the darkness retreat and all of that and finally goes on to Pat McAfee show and says, I want to be a New York Jet. And it's just like, all right, well, it's all a done deal. And I think that was a reminder of, Aaron Rodgers isn't a free agent. He can't just decide where he wants to go and then work out a contract. And it's just that simple. This trade has to happen. And for whatever reason, whatever the holdup is, if it's a 13th pick, if it's two second round draft picks, whatever the case it may be, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I am under the belief that I do think it's going to, I think it's going to happen uh, throughout the draft. Uh, so we we shall see. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. The, the more, the more and more people you talk to and the more people that kind of, it just gets this sense that the Jets are on the clock at 13. And even if the 13 picks not involved, it just feels like depending on the board, depending on a million different things that happen, that's when we can see mm-hmm. the Jets are in no rush. They'd love to have all top three, 43 picks. That'd be fantastic. Right. I mean, you can really bolster your you know, the trenches and, and add a tackle center, defensive yeah. tackle, these other spots. I guess I know you guys have gone back and forth on this and everyone kind of has their their stance on what what's too much or what's too little. Obviously, in a vacuum, if you're trading Fran Rodgers, you give a first round pick in a heartbeat. Obviously, though, $60 million, you know, looms and Aaron is who he is, right? He He's kind of an unpredictable, uh, unpredictable character. I guess what what's fair compensation here, right? Like what? What feels like it's a what feels like the right deal if you're the Jets or the Packers? Like, what are you willing to accept or not? 
That's the tough thing. I feel like if I'm the Jets, the toughest thing with parting ways with that first round pick is just you have Aaron Rodgers, 39 years old. The window to win is right now. So as many good players as we can possibly get to go for a Super Bowl this year, we need. So we don't want to give up that pick. I think if you're looking at this, you give up a second round draft pick and maybe a, a later round one, maybe a fourth round as well. And I feel like that's something that both sides could feel good about. But at the same time, you try to put the GM hat on for both of them. And if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm just like, no, I, I want the number 13 pick. That's what Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. And he has come out and he has said that he wants to be a New York Jet. Joe Douglas, the GM, has come out and said Aaron Rodgers will be here. So if I'm the Green Bay Packers, it's just like, well, no, we're set. We don't have to pay Aaron until September. Uh, we are prepared to move on with Jordan Love. We're going to put our foot in the ground. And we're going to say, hey, if you're not willing to give us what we want, we'll just keep Aaron Rodgers. We heard David Bakhtiari go on the Bust with the Boys podcast and say, hey, I can see Green Bay just paying Aaron Rodgers to just be on the roster. So I'm like, ah, I don't know if it's going to go that far, but at the same time, the New York Jets have been prepared for this. They've been going after Odell Beckham at one point. Now there's the DeAndre Hopkins rumors. And that's all surrounded around getting Aaron Rodgers there and be, having him be a part of that locker room. Yeah, that uh, that Joe Douglas video after uh, a few cocktails is one of the funnier <laughs> things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it, th this whole situation, the Bakhtiari thing is was super weird just because he was talking like the third person as if he wasn't their highest paid player. And I was like, buddy, you're on the, you're a forty million dollar cap hit this year for the Packers. You know, you you're on that team you think might suck. Um, that, that was certainly that was certainly something. I want to get your opinion quickly on just the the DeAndre Hopkins thing because. Yes, the Jets were not Odell, you know, from everything everyone's heard, it's like they were the second biggest offer, which wasn't even half what the Ravens offered, which is which is nuts to think about. To have to overpay that much for a guy who hasn't played football in a year. That said, DeAndre Hopkins, when he's been on the field, like he's a five-time All-Pro, he's still a guy that you're used to second, second option for the Jets. Like you're in a pretty good spot if your offense is DeAndre Hopkins, Garrett Wilson, Hardman, Lazard, Brees Hall, tight ends, and you have Rodgers, like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, tough offense to stop. Is he worth? I, I just don't know what he's worth right now because he's it's gonna. It's, I know we talked about Rodgers and the picks. DeAndre's owed a lot of money. He had the yeah. performance enhancing drug thing, which I guess doesn't really matter because he came back and was still good. But he's also thirty one. I just he's a weird guy. I, I just don't know who's trading for him. It feels like the AFC East, Buffalo, New England, the Jets all could use him. I feel like it's like an arms race to maybe go get Hopkins. Patriots maybe more need him more than anybody. But that said, I just. I think he ends up maybe in the AFC East as one of these three teams. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Patriots definitely need him. Uh, him. Him and Bill O'Brien were together in Houston. I don't know what that relationship is like. I don't know if that's <laughs> one where it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm dying to go play for Bill O'Brien again, or if it's one like, oh, hell no, I don't want to go back in that territory. But when you look at the New York Jets, I'm just like, DeAndre Hopkins would be amazing to have. You talked about him going with the suspension last year. He comes back first game, 10 catches, 100 yards. Second game, 12 catches, over 100 yards. So he is still a player that is very good in this league. I compared it the other day when we were talking about it on the show. You go out to dinner, you go to a steakhouse, and you're looking at all of these sides and everything that goes along with it. And if you're the New York Jets right now, you have a ton of sides. You have great dessert. You have all the fixings. But you're waiting for a steak to come out, and that's what's taking the longest, and that's Aaron Rodgers. But along with that, if you compare it with a great red wine, somebody like a DeAndre Hopkins, I think that's something that you'd want to do if you're the New York Jets because – you're trying to win a Super Bowl, unlike Baltimore, where they go out and they pay Odell Beckham. You're trying to get Lamar Jackson to come back into the building. You're trying to get him to feel good 
about continuing to be a Baltimore Raven with everything they have going on with his contract. Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't need to be wooed. He doesn't need to be impressed. He already wants to be a New York Jet. Now all they're trying to do is surround him with the best possible team to attack a Super Bowl. So to me, I think DeAndre Hopkins is worth it because I look at the New England Patriots as they were winning Super Bowls. It was more about adding the right veteran pieces. It wasn't going out paying top dollar in free agency. When Brady was there, it was more or less getting those plug-and-play guys, getting a guy like Chris Long to come join the team and be able to chase the Super Bowl. Certain guys like that, that the chemistry works and they kind of all go together, can be a key, key piece. So I, I look at somebody like a DeAndre Hopkins. You add him to that offense, a true number one receiver there. Obviously, Garrett Wilson is on his way to being whatever his ceiling is in this league. And then Alan Lazard, somebody who was a friend and knows Aaron uh, Rodgers well. And then McCole Harmon, you have a gadget guy uh, that has a ton of speed. Uh, that is a fully complete offense, not even mentioning uh, the weapons in the backfield that they have. Yeah, no, look, if they if the Jets stay healthy and they can fix this offensive line, depending on what picks they have, if you get even close to 2021 or 2020 Aaron Rodgers, you know, the, the COVID MVPs or COVID tell Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> you should win 12, 13 games as good as this yeah. division is. Um, I still think Miami's got a – Miami looks really good on paper. I do feel like they're a little top-heavy, uh, which is yeah. fine. I, that's the way they've built the roster. But the two guys that need to stay healthy never stay healthy in Toronto Armstead and Tua. So, like, that's that's where you're left. And then Buffalo looked kind of mortal last year, right? Like, I, I don't know. They didn't look great against Skylar Thompson. And then the next week they – they got their shit punched by, you know, by the Bengals in their own building. So, um, and I didn't, you know, they've, everyone's a year older and all these different stuff. So, I mean, it's going to be a competitive division. Yeah. Do you, do you see Buffalo still as kind of the class and then Miami and then the Jets for right now? Because I kind of feel like that's the, just until all these things get finalized, it kind of feels like the pecking order and plus the Jets really do add Hopkins and these other guys. 100%. Josh Allen is, is Josh Allen. He's a, he's a Yeti, an alien, whatever you want to call it. He, he's you look at over the past years, I think he's lost maybe five times in that division over the last three seasons of the Jets, the Patriots and the Dolphins. He is absolutely dominated in that division. And yes, the Jets did beat uh, Buffalo last year in a good game. And I just it's hard to say, all right, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, you're just automatically putting them over Buffalo. All right. Then Miami, if Tua stays healthy, you look at how well they play with him out there. That's, that's a huge if at this point. So I think. Buffalo and Josh Allen are definitely the class. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, Frazier leaving Buffalo as the defensive coordinator. McDermott probably going to take over. The thing is with Buffalo, they've been so good as of late. They haven't been able to get to the Super Bowl. They haven't been able to obviously win it. At some point, that window closes. For Buffalo, it's kind of like, when is that window going to happen? Is it now? Is it Has it already passed? Did they miss their opportunities because of a Joe Burrow, because of a, a Pat Mahomes, a uh, my biggest question mark in Buffalo is as I watched them down the stretch, Josh Allen has to do so much. And it's just like, my goodness, can they not find a way to just throw the ball at Stephon Diggs with design plays to just make things a little bit easier for them? Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to say this division is wide open because I do still think Buffalo is the class of it, the number one in the division. But you can't lie, this is a time this year where you're looking at the AFC East and we're probably going to compare it the same way we looked at the AFC West last year. And they end up to be a little bit of a dud. And, and Kansas City reminded us who the hell they were. But I definitely think the AFC East can be special this year. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. I, I have the same question marks at Buffalo. I, it just feels like it's boom or bust all the time. It's Josh Allen, QB Power. It's four verts to Diggs and Gabe Davis. Yep. And, like, they play teams like the Jets. 
that just sit in quarters and they're going to sit and they're just going to say, okay, well, you're not beating us over the top. So run the two ball. Two really good corners. Yeah. Yeah. Two really good corners. I wanted to ask you quickly about sauce. DJ Reed doesn't get as much love as he probably should. That comes with being an undrafted guy. You're always going to have that kind of stigma around you is, oh, is this a fluke, whatever. He's been a good player for a couple of years now. Sauce, obviously, first team all pro. We haven't seen that as a rookie in 40 plus years, whatever it is. There's a lot around Sauce. I know he brings a lot of it on himself, right? He's a big talker, and and I think other fan bases don't like it and and how he holds all the time, which he doesn't hold because they'd call it otherwise. Um how impressed were you just generally speaking with a corner to come in? Not that Cincinnati is a small school, but honestly kind of similar yeah. to uh, probably similar size to Rutgers and the, all these other schools where you're playing, you're in power five, you know, whatever you're playing power five teams, but you don't have the same, you're not going to get the same love an LSU, a Bama, a USC guy would to come in, in this type of market, the Jets will go from a 32nd ranked defense to a top five defense. Like just how impressive was that season from a corner right away. And he's still so much honestly to grow in terms of turning the ball over. So damn impressive. I think Sauce comes in the league and you look at him, he's tall, he's long, and you say right away, all right, he's going to beat up a guy at the line of scrimmage, but does he have the feet and the quickness to be able to keep up with some of the smaller guys and guys that are quicker in and out of the breaks down the field? And you saw some of the plays and the movement that he made last year. just like, my goodness, this kid looks like he was built in a lab. And I love everything that comes with him. Draft day, he has on the big chain, the Sauce and all of that. Cornerback position in the NFL is a different animal. When you're drafted that high in the draft and you're brought in and you're being asked to be possibly the best guy on this defense, you damn sure better have that level of confidence and be able to back it up week in and week out. And he did that against everybody. So uh, super impressed with, with Sauce. You don't see guys at the cornerback position typically come in right away and just go out there and become a shutdown player. I mean, Sauce, was you talk about he was the best corner in the league last year. Yeah, Pastor Tane, Ramsey, although the, the Rams weren't really good, Jalen Ramsey was still very good last year as well. But Sauce is in a conversation with all of these guys. And you mentioned DJ Reed. I'm a huge fan of his uh, athletic plays he makes, hitting people. We had one versus the Broncos last year where he laid somebody out. And smaller guy, like you said, drafted fifth round, San Fran, then goes to Seattle, has some really good years, signs a good contract to come over with the Jets, has a really good year, doesn't make a pro bowl or anything like that. And I love his attitude. I saw on Twitter the other day, he posted like there was 25 cornerbacks taken before me. That kind of chip on your shoulder when you go late round, you never forget. I played 13 years and the whole time as guys were going out the league, I'm like, yep, 09 draft class, outlasted him, outlasted him. Because you take pride in that and them on defense, obviously Quentin Williams up front, um, they have a monster there. But those two guys on the outside, when you can cover people up and as good as Sauce was last year, it wasn't really asked to shadow receivers because they had two really good guys uh, on the outside. So as a deep former DB myself, love to watch New York Jets defense because of the two corners out there. Yeah, and even, you know, give Michael Carr some love. He's probably a top yeah. top six slot guy, another guy. One of the sneakier 4-3 guys in the league. I totally forgot he was a 4-3 guy. And I was looking at the other day, I was like, he ran 4-3-5. Um, <laughs> I was pretty, I was impressed there. I wanted to kind of get, um, you know, two quick thoughts. Obviously, you know, been, I guess, coming up on a year now, right? You know, hosting hosting Good Morning Football. And um, was it what you expected it to be? Has it been more fun? Has it been like, dude, I talk about the same topic. I have to talk. I mean, because that's part <laughs> of your guys' thing is like trying to not be, you know, not slander any of some of the other channels, but, you know, not just do the hot take stuff every day yeah. and have fun. It had been what you expected. Obviously, you know, you had two, you and Jamie coming in together. Obviously, Shrags yeah. and Cobb been there for a long time. I don't know what the hell 
I was expecting starting out the show. I mean, literally retired a week later, accepted the job. I had went off with two auditions, but now here I am. I'm reading the prompter. I got I have been in my ear. I'm I'm on TV live every single day. Um, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, I've had more fun than I ever could have imagined. Uh, I was having last year. I remember uh, New England was going through some injuries, and somebody in the building said to Dad, "Hey, you think your brother would ever enter entertain coming back and playing?" And he was like, "Man, I talk to him every day. I don't know if he's had this much fun in probably the last five years of what he's doing now." Um, it's been so cool. I think the platform to be able to talk football every single day, even if it is Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers every single day this time of the year, uh, it's amazing. And I think the cool thing about our show today, we did a draft special where uh, me, Kyle, uh, Peter, and then Timmy Checks was in for Jamie today. We went outside on the streets in New York City and pretended to be first-round drafters. Like, that's what makes our show unique. And to your point, not to say anything bad about any other show, but if somebody's watching Good Morning Football, that's going to be one of the reasons they're watching it because there are going to be some off-the-wall segments uh, where we get out of character. Uh, but the one thing we do every single day is we laugh. And I think we challenge each other and our takes and whatever we're talking football perspective-wise. Kyle, a guy who played uh, college football at Princeton, was a really good running back there and has been in this business for over 10 years. Shreggs has been, he always laughs about it. He was doing mock drafts in his basement when he was in grade school. This guy knows every single thing about the history of football. And he's been in this thing for over a decade, whether it was writing, sideline reporting, and obviously on Good Morning Football. And uh, for me and Jamie, I think getting a chance to join together made things easier. You have two vets coming in. Uh, half the time they'll be saying something. We don't know what the hell they're talking about. We just look at each other and smile because we have our own kind of cadence of coming in. And she comes from doing sideline stuff in the SEC for the past eight years and then was doing stuff with the NFL before then. So I'm the former player. So I, I think the perspectives that we each bring and the chemistry that we've been able to build early on, uh, it goes a long way. But, I mean, I don't know if I've laughed as much in three hours uh, at 7 a.m. in my entire life. Yeah, no, I know that. Uh, I know that wake up. Uh, I've I've got I got, you know, the old, uh, the, you know, probably three for four COVID. Maybe I got to go and, uh, you know, hang out, you know, and stuff for a day or two. And I was okay. like, this four or five a.m. wake up is uh, <laughs> is no joke. Um, I have twin brothers who play college football. You obviously, you know, have very well documented, uh, you know, you and your brother, obviously, you know, both Super Bowl champs got to play together and you, know, yeah. you got to all that different type of stuff. Is there one thing to you that like is is like very unique? You know, you see a lot of these. There's a lot of different siblings. The Jets have it with you know Quinn and Quincy. Is it was that the most fun part, honestly, of like being able to play together? And is it or is it like you know oh yeah, this it's fun, but you know winning a title was more fun. Like how does that kind of stack up being able to play with a you know, twin like that? We could have went 0 and 16 that year. Uh, it, it was so much fun. Uh, you go back to playing Pop Warner and dreaming about being in the league, and you always dream about it together. And we got a chance to do it. And I think special for me and Deb is that was his ninth year. It was my 10th year. We had got into the league, me coming uh, the 203rd pick of the draft, Deb the 27th pick, two totally different journeys. He wins a ton early on in his career. All I did was lose in, in the beginning and throughout my entire career. And now we got a chance to come together. And I think the fun thing about both of us is, uh, we're both leaders in our own right. We were, I was a captain in three different teams. He's been a, he was a captain for, I felt like, 20 years in New England. So when we're in the meeting rooms, like, there are no punches that are held. I didn't care how long he had been there and who he was in the Patriots world. I had no problem challenging him. And I think that was the fun part about everything we did. And then, obviously, from a family perspective, him with a wife and kids, me with a wife and kids, mom being able 
uh, to come down. And uh, for me, we got to obviously playing a Super Bowl together. And I got to show fans and everybody, you guys, you just missed it. You would have had the right McCourty for the past 10, 12 years. You would have been uh, just as happy, probably even happier uh, with myself opposed to death. Yeah, no, it's a, it's something that's super, uh, it's, it's a very unique experience. Obviously, you know, we've seen siblings and, you know, we, we saw it was talked about for a zillion hours and, you know, the Kelsey's and shout out to them. They do, you know, they do a fantastic job. Last two quick ones here. If you had to, like, if you had to go back and, you know, look at my bet, your best personal season, just out of curiosity, what year would you have chosen? I know you obviously, you know, from a team's, you know, team success standpoint, I'm, I know what you would choose, but do you have one that one season that sticks out? I'm just looking at, you know, what at what at some of these websites view as your best year? I'm curious if you're going to say the same one. Yeah, um, 18 with the patch was definitely one of my better ones. And um, that was more, that was a lot because Stefan Gilmore was on the other side. So he would go get the other team's best receiver. And I got a chance to go hang out with the <laughs> second, second guy on the list. So you don't always factor that in. But I would probably say, I think it was 2012. Uh, me and Werner were uh, the guys out there in Tennessee, and Vern went to a pole bowl that year. He had a good amount of picks. And I think – I don't know if I had a pick that year or maybe one, uh, but as far as week in and week out, like shutting guys down, playing good football, I would probably say 2012 uh, was a really good year. And then in Cleveland, 17 was good. But when you don't win a single game, like nobody cares what you're doing. Uh, there was nobody at the games, nobody watching the games. Uh, they actually had a perfect parade at the end of that season for completing the process uh, going all 16. Yeah. So at football reference has this 2011, 2012, you had four picks in 2012. You slighted yourself there, you know? Yeah. It's one of those years. Like, unfortunately, you, you know, you forget about um, last kind of question, just from the AFC's perspective, and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. The, are you surprised at all with how the quarterback situation feels like it kind of totally took a turn the last six seven weeks of the year it felt like mac jones whether people liked it or not pro bowler was really solid as a rookie you know somehow found his way on the top 100 list that's a conversation for another day and <laughs> and then you know didn't didn't have a great start to the year obviously gets hurt and it's like after that monday night football game where it was him and zappy going back and forth now it's like all of a sudden the patriots might be looking for a quarterback where 12 months ago we we're like oh they might yeah. have had a guy that could be a solid starter for eight to ten years are you surprised it's like totally torpedoed like this where all these different leaks and coming out and all these different things it's crazy because when you say that nothing usually comes out of new england but i i do say with bill stuff will come out and you always wonder right, is does this have any substance to it because the things that bill has said no he hasn't come out and said mac is our guy this that, and the third it's just not bill i don't know if he's not going to glow about a guy he's not at the same time he's not going to say anything bad about a guy in the media that's just who he is um, I find the Mac Jones stuff fascinating. Mac, his rookie year, comes into the league. Josh McDaniels is his coach, one of the best offensive minds in our game. Uh, has done it forever. Mac goes out there and has a really good year. Seven-game winning streak at, at one point. Looks like he's the future. Patriots fans are like, we lost Brady. We went through a struggle, but we have our guy. We have the next guy that's going to lead us. Mac goes into year two. Josh leaves, goes to Vegas, becomes their head coach. And the whole offseason, we spent time on our show, and we're saying, all right, who, who are the Patriots going to hire as an offensive coordinator? Are they going to go to Alabama? Are they going to get Bill O'Brien? Um, there were so many different names. Adam Gase's name got brought up. Jets fans, I know they, they, they would have probably been happy to see that happen. Gase, I'm sure, is, is Ray, South Florida. Ray on his downfall. I think Pop Warner, high school football, he's hanging out. Probably like, I don't want 
any of those problems. Cliff Kingsbury's name came up and there was nobody hired. And then you look at my guy, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, they take over the offense. And I love both of those guys, two really good, fantastic football coaches. But they were asked to do something that neither one of them ever done, a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. So obviously Mac doesn't play well. And all of a sudden it's just like Mac is trash. Now he had his instances on the field where he's tripping guys and doing some questionable things. I think those are the things that we need to be worried about questioning. But as far as his, his, him as a football player, as a quarterback in this league, I don't see why the Patriots wouldn't say, no, Mac is our guy moving forward. We love what Bailey Zappi was able to do. That Chicago game you're talking about, Zappi gets in, crowd goes wild. He goes in and scores a touchdown right away. By the end of that game, you leave, you leave out and just like, well, Mac struggled. Bailey got in, was hot. And then, hell, he struggles. So we don't know who the hell our quarterback is. I think Mac Jones is the guy there. You just got to wait and see how this year goes before you're ready to write him off because everybody's saying get rid of Mac. And it's just like, all right, so now you're going to bank on another rookie quarterback possibly coming in. I don't see Bill going out there giving up two first-round draft picks and paying Lamar Jackson. So unless unless Lamar is walking through the door, Patriots fans better be happy with Mac Jones out there, under the center. Yeah, Jets fans would have been preying on uh, on Adam Gase's downfall um, <laughs> in uh, in New England as we uh, as we record here. The Commanders officially got sold uh, six billion. Okay, well that's uh, that's a pretty penny. You know, uh, Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers, Magic Johnson, a couple other billion, a couple other billionaires hopping in there. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be some party uh, getting Dan Snyder out of there. Uh, but obviously, appreciate you know appreciate you taking some time. Obviously, you can you know catch Jason on. You know, social media, obviously, you had a really cool, you, you were speaking at something that was a really cool clip from like two or three days ago. Um, I, yeah. saw, I was talking about, you know, how, you know, when I have to change the, your kid's mindset when you go, if you grow up from nothing versus growing up with, growing up with a lot, how you kind of keep that competitive drive. But obviously, Good Morning Football, a million other places, you know, obviously appreciate you taking some time. Hey, no problem, man. Commander's getting sold. My favorite tidbit from that was Mike McDaniel talking about he couldn't even get a free cup of coffee when he was working there. And now they're being sold for six billion dollars. That, my yeah. friends, is America. Yeah, I was gonna say Dan Dan Snyder <laughs> committing every act under the sun and still making a profit. Good for him, man. Uh, not really, but you know, tongue in cheek. But we'll catch you guys. Uh, we'll catch you guys later in the week. Thank you.